Hey, I'm Brady Hyen, and thanks for listening to Bettering Nashville's first ever conversation. I'm really excited about this one. This week is a conversation with Courtney Blaze from Second Harvest Middle Tennessee Food Bank. We talk about all sorts of things related to hunger and food waste and plenty of other topics. Uh, it was a great conversation. I learned a lot. Hopefully you will too. But you're not here to listen to me talk, so let's go ahead and get into it. So who are you and what do you do at Second Harvest? Yeah, um, my name is Courtney Blaze and I lead all of our community relations efforts. Um, okay. So I'm my title, I'm the community relations manager uh, for Second Harvest Food Bank. Um, but that for us, what that really means is that everything that touches the community, I'm a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's the creative storytelling of the food bank, um, consulting with our social media to help craft content or to think of best practices for how to um, curate content. Um, I I assist with that. And then I also oversee all of our food drive um, initiatives and all of our food drive programming. So the partnerships that we have with all of our professional sports teams and all of the universities, companies that do big food drives and things like that are, um, I'm a, are a part of my team. And then I also, um, I'm kind of the accidental historian for the food bank. Um, and that's mostly because I love the food bank so much that when there have been opportunities to dig through archives and, and organize archives that I have asked for that work. And so, um, that's kind of what led to when I wrote the, our tour guide, um, it led to me asking questions about how did this happen? Or I see like, I see steps A and step C, where's B and Mm -hmm. really figuring that out has really fleshed out what, why the food bank is so important um, to the community. And in that it has made, it's grown my love for the organization too, which is kind of a nice yeah, that's uh, a perk for sure. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I love it. What, why don't you go ahead and get into that then? Why don't you tell us what exactly Second Harvest is, what you do, and what the story of the organization is? Yeah, um, so Second Harvest is really has played an integral part in the nonprofit fabric of Nashville um, and Middle Tennessee. Uh, so we're part, Second Harvest is a part of the Feeding America Network, and Feeding America is the largest domestic hunger relief organization in the U.S. And there are 200 food banks that are part of Feeding America. Um, they're headquartered in Chicago, um, and um, ev- there's not a zip code in the entire U.S. that's not served by a Feeding America food bank. Wow. We are the food bank for Middle Tennessee and about half of what people consider West Tennessee. Mm-hmm. We serve 46 counties, and it's um, really Camden in the West to Cookville in the East and Kentucky down to Alabama. So just oh, wow. a huge service area. Um, 
I mean, just incredible. Um, and we have been in, we have been incorporated as Second Harvest since 1978. Mm. What's kind of fun is that the Second Harvest um, actually started out as another organization that was meant to just connect nonprofits that were already existing with food that was available. Mm. So in about 75 or 76, there became 1975 or 1976, there became um, this growing awareness that there was an overage of food that was not matching the uh, under um, availability that people had to get that food. Mm -hmm. And so an organization out in Phoenix, Arizona, basically discovered or invented food banking. And very shortly after that, the mayor's office here in Nashville sent people out there to Phoenix to figure out what they were doing. And they brought that back here. And that's basically how second harvest was born. It was never meant to be a quote, super organization. We were never meant to be this like giant, um, you know, connector really, but what do you mean by super organization? So, so there's a lot of very small places that are run by like, one sweet grandma or mm-hmm. a very small out of a church pantry or in one closet at a, at a school. Um, and second harvest, we really serve as a distribution center. So um, people don't necessarily come to our warehouse in order to get food. Now they do. And people come to our building when they come to our building, they leave with food because mm-hmm. why wouldn't they, but it's not, that's not really how it's set up. It's set up that we are the operations arm to make sure that there, if there's extra food in the community, we're getting that food, be it from Mm -hmm. a grocery store or um, like, for example, with all of the pandemic, there have been a lot of restaurants that had unused like non-perishable items, you know, um, those giant number 10 size cans of um, different vegetables and mm-hmm. ingredients like tomato sauce and big mm-hmm. bags of rice. Um, they called us to see if, if we could use it. And of course, yeah, we, we did and we could, we can go and get it. Um, but so we kind of serve as the, um, the operations to be able to get, to have the trucking and the staff to go get that food, bring it back to the food bank, use volunteers to sort and repack the food and then get it back out to our smaller partner agencies that are those smaller community organizations. Gotcha. So you're, you're, you're providing for the smaller food banks as much as you are for individuals around Definitely. your location as well. That's Definitely. really cool. And we kind of do too. So like with the, with working with our partner agencies, we have 460 partner agencies in our 46 County service area. So wow. a lot of those folks have other ministries or other services that they provide. They may do, rent assistance or mortgage assistance or help with utilities or childcare or education, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we are the ones who are working with them to provide the food for for their organization. That's awesome. So um, I'm assuming the main problem you guys are trying to tackle in this area is hunger. And it sounds like uh, food overage, food waste, I guess. Yes. Um, can you talk about what the situation is in our region regarding those two issues? Yes. Um, food waste is a major issue. And I think that it's something that 
second harvest really, and other food banks that food banks really help with. So on average, about 40% of the food that's produced in the United States goes to waste. Wow. Um, wow. So you think about food that is either at the grocery store level that gets wasted, whether it's mm-hmm. for marketing, um, if they if there's a package change, or if it's specific food for certain holidays. Um, mm-hmm. I I like to joke that like on Super Bowl Monday, everybody pretends that they don't eat potato chips that are shaped like footballs, <laughs> and so like nobody's gonna buy it. Yeah. And so that food literally is manufactured. It's the it's food that's grown Mm -hmm. and then manufactured, processed or packaged, and then goes to a store, it's trucked to a store and then it's actually just goes to waste. And it used to go into the trash can. Yeah. Um, That food is food that's rescued by us for our food and our grocery rescue program. Uh, The other part is actually at the consumer level. So there are, um, there's a lot of consumer waste um, food that people are, purchasing like purchasing too much food that goes to waste but on average uh 40% of that food it, the food that's produced in the US is is not being eaten wow um, whether that's so, it's it's not bought or it's not used by the consumer wow right that is a lot of food it's a lot and it, it's million i mean it's like billions of pounds i don't know i'm not a numbers <laughs> person i'm a social worker and uh-huh. uh, so none of those numbers stick in my head but it's a lot a lot a lot yeah of food. Wow. And there are hungry people that could, that could eat that food and that would appreciate that food. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually like of no additional cost because yeah, the food it's already, already there. made. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what about hunger, uh, specifically in Nashville or in the middle Tennessee region? Um, how, what are the numbers there and how has that changed since you've been there or since second harvest has been here? So, Statistics from a long time ago, I don't have that from, you mm-hmm. know, when we started. Yeah. Um, but right now, one in eight people in Middle Tennessee are at risk of hunger. Mm. Um, you know, we all know eight people. Yeah, <laughs> and, that um, is, that's a lot. It, it's a lot. And, um, you know, children uh, that aren't eating over the summer, but right now that's kind of top of mind because in at this time of year, we really focus on kids that are going to be out of school for the whole summer and mm-hmm. they may not have adequate access or, um, or regular access to food. So we really focus on getting kids to community centers and getting kids, um, food at home. Now it kind of poses an interesting issue right now because a lot of those places are closed and if people can't mm-hmm. gather or congregate, then it can be tough. Um, a lot of summer programs are, are postponed or are, um, really changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, summer came early this year. We've yeah. had kids out of school since April and, um, that means they're not getting at least 10 meals a week, wow. every kid. Yeah. So, and, and you know, like even like our family, you know, I have, I have small kids and it just seems like when they're home, they're hungrier. And Mm -hmm. so they're playing like at school, my kids go to school and and they don't eat all day long, but when they're home, they want to eat all day long. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine as a parent, um, what that might, what that feels like to either not be able to to provide any of that and have hungry kids. Um, so we're doing, we've started, um, a lot of programs earlier this year to make sure Mm -hmm. that kids have food and that kids have access to additional food and families do too. Um, I've heard the term food desert 
before. Can you, can you explain that a little bit? Yes. So a food desert is a location or an area that, um, where people live that they cannot easily get access to food, um, be it walking, public transportation and driving. And Mm -hmm. that the definition wavers slightly, but, um, it's generally within a mile of home. Okay. So that, that may mean that you have um, no access to fresh food, uh, be it that you have, um, you know, a small store, a convenience store, a corner store um, mm-hmm. that you can go and get only processed food or highly processed food like chips and mm-hmm. sodas. There's no fresh food. Um, but some places technically don't qualify for being a food desert if they carry like bananas and apples. Oh, uh, wow. So the bar so, is pretty low to... Okay. Yes. So do we have any food deserts in Nashville? We do. And with gentrification, some of that is changing a little bit, which is very interesting to watch, you know, in parts of East Nashville and North Nashville, where the city center is kind of, people are coming back into the city and it's kind of pushing people out. I know Mm. um, we live in East Nashville and, and part of our, when we, when we moved here, we've been here about six years and when we moved, we had hardly, we had one grocery store. And now in that same space, I think we have three or four now. Wow. So because wow. there's like more, um, because the neighborhood is gentrifying, not our neighborhood, but the neighborhood down the street <laughs> is gentrifying, mm-hmm. you know, we're getting in more, um, more access to, to resources, like, mm. a, like a grocery store. Um, but yeah, we definitely have um, parts of South Nashville, North Nashville, um, and definitely East Nashville still are experiencing not enough adequate access to mm-hmm. food. And this is this might be getting out of hunger and into nutrition a little bit. So I don't know how much you know here, but can you talk about like the long term effects of not having access to healthy foods, um, either for children or for adults? Yeah. So actually, that's one thing that the food bank that I don't think people know that work in that space is the, um, the intersection of health and hunger, Okay. looking at the long-term effects or short-term effects, honestly, the, all of the effects, um, mm-hmm. on people, um, young or old and not having adequate access to healthy food. Um, when I started at the food bank, it wasn't, it's never that it's been off the radar, but it just wasn't as important to us as it is now. I think, mm-hmm. um, to, to make sure that people had access to fresh produce. Mm-hmm. And so when I started, uh, less than uh, 10% of what we were distributing was fresh was fresh produce. Okay. Or actually less than 1%. Less than 1% of what wow. we were distributing was fresh and produce. when was that again? When did you start? I've been at the food bank for eight years. Okay. So, t- so 2012. Yeah. So 2012. 1% fresh food. Wow. Okay. Now, we, last year... Um, we distributed over 10 million pounds of fresh produce. Wow. I mean, so, that's a, I can do, wait, lot. what's the total, what's the total amount that you guys um, do? Of food. So that's about a third of what we distribute. Oh, wow. That's a huge improvement. Yeah. Huge. And it's, and so it's a, it's an initiative now. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a, a, a tactical strategy for us to get real food out to people because we know the positive impact that eating fresh food has on the human body. Mm-hmm. So talking specifically about kids, when we look at, at children, at kids' hunger uh, and the, 
negative effects on the child brain and body when they don't have, when they don't have enough access to food, kids learn at a slower rate. Um, they are less social. They have more behavioral issues. Um, hungry kids can't participate in extracurricular activities. You don't have the extra right. energy to power right. you through to like be on the softball team or play football mm. or just do the extra stuff. Um, and then, you know, hunger doesn't live in a vacuum either. So there are of course other, um, other things at play that, mm. that are affecting those kids. Um, we, I know we did a study a couple, a couple years ago that focused specifically on backpack food. So every Friday, uh, we send a small bag of food home with a kid that helps them bridge the gap between Friday and Monday. Mm-hmm. And just looking at some of those numbers were staggering that kids had, um, just a, just a, um, a huge impact on the, the ability to have food those two extra days, what, how that impacted their learning and how oh, it wow. impacted their negative behavioral, um, like the way that they were acting in class, they were able to participate and to listen more. They lost less over the summertime. They retained more of what they learned in like grade one over summer to go to grade two, just by having access to food. Wow. That is Um, crazy. It is crazy. And with adults and, and, you know, there's a, what it's so interesting is in, in other parts of the world, when, where there is like not adequate access to food, we see people that are underweight, bloated bellies. Mm-hmm. You can see their ribs. There's malnourishment. Um, and in the U.S. and in a lot of other, um, you know, developed countries, the inadequate access to food actually looks very the complete opposite. So there's a high prevalence of obesity, diabetes, um, heart conditions, and there's a lot to be said about this stuff that I don't know. Like I am not like a nutrition scientist. Like I don't, right. I don't know that, but just the the basic reading that I've done is showing that when people don't have adequate access to food, they actually are eating and there, a lot of them are under like high stress. And so they're eating worse food. They're right. eating high carb, high sugar. Um, their bodies actually are craving that. And then mm-hmm they eat mass quantities when they can get it and their bodies hold on to that in between. Mm. Um, with that comes heart disease and and type two diabetes. And, um, so looking at adults specifically, um, we want them to have more access to fresh food. So we really, um, we have programs in place. So we have right now it's not running, um, because of the pandemic, Mm -hmm. um, and because we are have really shifted our distribution models. So right now we're going to a as low contact as possible. So sometimes that's zero touch and sometimes it's extremely low touch. Um, we, we used to do, and, and what I think we'll get back to <clears throat> is almost setting up like mobile farmers markets where people can come and do their shopping um, okay. and, and actually get, close to food and we spend a lot of time talking with them. Now what we're doing is making boxes and then people are driving through and we're giving them the box. A pre-packed um, box of food. Okay. Yeah. And that might be like, that might be um, like fresh meats or frozen meats, mm-hmm. um, dairy, eggs, um, bread, and then also an assortment of produce. Usually 
produce that's a little bit longer lasting. So like yeah. potatoes, onions, apples, oranges, but then also peppers and fresh garlic and bananas and things like that, that are, as we get those, they go out, um, mm-hmm. immediately. That's um, cool but, too. I'm sure people are learning a lot in that way where you might not all, you might not pick that stuff out, but now that you have it, you got to learn about it, learn how to cook it and learn how great mm-hmm. it can be. That's cool. And we provide our nutrient. We have a registered dietitian on staff and she, um, we'll develop recipes that are based oh, awesome. on a lot of the items that we get. So if we get like a, like an interesting ingredient, say we get a pallet of jicama and everyone's like, I don't know what to do with the jicama. <laughs> I don't know. Um, then we actually will include a recipe card. That's like three uses of jicama. Oh, that's you can awesome. It. You can mash it. Like, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually what was really fun is a couple of years ago, we got a pallet. It's kind of, it's terrible, but it's kind of awesome at the same time. We got a pallet of smushed bread oh, and mm-hmm. instead of just throwing it out, we made it available to people mm-hmm. and included like 10 ways to use smushed bread. That's and cool. it was like turning it into using it in meatballs and turning it into breadcrumbs and you can, Dogs, it was just, yeah. it was neat. And, and, you know, people took it and people were excited about it. We, we awesome. hear from so many people that if they get, um, you know, if one person gets seven bell peppers, which could happen, they're canning, they're keeping the food and they're canning and they're preserving and wow. they're getting a, you know, a larger quantity of strawberries and they're actually able to like freeze those. And I don't know, it's people are so resilient. And I think, um, I think it's fun to be able to see like what people do with, uh, the food that they get. Yeah. It seems like there's a lot of education that's going on with that as well, which is really cool. Uh, on that note, if for someone listening to this, that wants to learn more about these topics of hunger and food waste and food deserts and even nutrition, do you have any resources like books or documentaries that you guys point people towards to learn more about this? Yes, for sure. And I would say definitely go to our website, um, which is secondharvestmidtn.org and look at resources there because we have um, research that is for our area and other food banks. If you're not in the, the Nashville area or you're not in our middle Tennessee service area, other food banks do the same thing. And okay. there are just tons of resources on um, on food insecurity, on health and hunger, on the systemic hunger issue and how, um, hunger often, you know, and in fact, everything that is, that we're kind of like coming, coming to terms with who we are as a country, Mm -hmm. a lot of those issues that are, that are being addressed right now, um, hunger lives there. And it, they all, it all fits together, equity issues and, um, and access to, and access to equal resources. It's all connected. Yeah. It's all connected. And so there's a lot, there's a lot of great resources on world hunger and on um, U.S. hunger. Um, There's also really interesting studies that are just free for everybody to use. There's a, there's a really interesting study. I think it's powered maybe by um, United way, but I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. So I wouldn't say that that's like, you know, don't quote me on it, but, 
Um, there is a resource called Alice and it's A-L-I-C-E, just like the name is spelled. Mm-hmm. And you can actually go and look at the information for, for poverty or for people living below the poverty level in like your area. Oh, so like you can zero in. Yes. Oh. And you can actually look and you can find the Alice number. So there's the number that qualifies you for services. So my family of five makes this much money. This is what we're qualified for. Okay. But there's actually a huge gap between where we can actually live and thrive. Not just like, not just like barely make it, but not, and not to, you know, go crazy and have, you know, whatever we want, but just Mm -hmm. to be able to like eat enough. Yes. Mm -hmm. Be, to be healthy, be able to eat enough, to have access to education, transportation, so I can drive my kids to school or whatever. And the disparity between that number where we can actually live and thrive versus the number where we can qualify for services, the gap Mm. of that number is, is absolutely mind blowing. Mm. And to know that, for example, if a family of five, um, if we need $35,000 a year to just be able to be alive, Mm -hmm. The number for me to be able to qualify for services, I might have to make $20,000 a year. Mm. So you're sitting in this weird like no man's land where you're not rich enough to really thrive, but you're not poor enough to get help. Right. Mm. That is and there's, and that's, that's who we serve. Those are the yeah. people that we serve. So last weekend, I was at a mobile distribution down in Lewisburg. So that's about... 20 minutes south of Columbia. So mm-hmm. down in the Southern part of our service area. And I was talking with a woman who is a retired nurse and um, she had to retire because of health issues. She's has trouble with her legs and she could no longer work. She takes care of her sister who um, between the two of them, they qualify for $16 a month for assistance for groceries. What? $16 per month. $16. So I was like, wow. So what do you, um, you know, how do you use that money? And she goes, well, I, I coupon, I shop sales and then everything else I can't get, I come to the food pantry. Wow. So in my mind, she has full access to come get whatever she needs, right, but right. still as a human, she's trying to provide, she's trying to be a good steward of the donations that she's going to get and do that after she goes grocery shopping with her $16. Wow. And I don't know that we see that so much. We see so much people that are using the food bank as like the second line of defense Mm -hmm. or this month they donate to the food bank. Next month they use the food bank services. Um, People that come and volunteer, they want, they don't, most people don't just want a handout. They, they want to work for what they get. They volunteer right. at the, at the food pantry where they get food. They volunteer at the food bank. They, they give back when they can. We do food drives and we will get food from people that they may put it in a bag and it's like a can of tuna. And they're mm-hmm. like, this is all I could give. I hope it can go to somebody who needs it. Wow. And that it's so beautiful. It's mm-hmm. so beautiful a picture of community. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really cool that you guys are filling that gap um, where 
people would just be cast aside if, if you guys weren't there to, to help them out. That's really yeah. cool. Um, this, uh, speaking more specifically about Nashville, I know you guys service a lot of areas, but you're based in Nashville. What's your connection to the city and what is the city doing on these issues and how do you guys work together on that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so we ha- we are and have always been um, a great partner. It goes two ways. The city and the state have always been a great partner of ours mm-hmm. as well. Um, we're, we basically began because the the mayor's office and the Metro Action Committee, which they're all still, or, I mean, of course, the mayor's office is still around, but mm-hmm. the Metro Action Commission is actually still around too. Um, and we started because they they saw that there was a huge need for food and food resources. And so mm-hmm. that's still how we serve. So okay. we work with um, all, a lot of the housing um, uh, places. We work with um, the mayor's office uh, to be activated through uh, like Office of Emergency Management. So mm-hmm. when there's a natural disaster like the tornadoes, you know, we're in providing food for the shelters and um, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get funding from the state and from the mm-hmm. city. Um, and, and then we are called upon to provide food in times of need. Gotcha. Um, is, is basically they, how. So they come to you. It's not like there's a city food bank or anything. Mm-hmm. They, they're coming to you. Okay. I see. We are this. We are the food bank. Gotcha. And that started back in the seventies. That relationship. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. That's really cool. And it's yeah, and it's strong. And we, you know, we've always worked with um, state and local legislation and um, different offices of commissioners, and um, we've worked with the with the state in in many ways through mm-hmm. agriculture com- community and. Um, making sure that they know that we're a resource for if there's like overages in fields and, you know, things like that, that are just part of that food network. Um, Mm -hmm. We've always, we've always really worked hand in hand with them. That's awesome. Um, What would you say on these topics that you guys address, such as hunger and food waste are the biggest misconceptions that people have um, in Nashville or across the globe? That's a good question. There's so many things. (laughs) Um, I think that people think, I think that the general public who maybe hasn't been to the food bank or hasn't talked to somebody from the food bank thinks that we only serve homeless. Mm. And while we do serve the homeless population in, um, in Nashville and middle Tennessee, we are, we do so much more, um, than that. And, um, I think people also don't know how um, intentional we are with making sure that the types of food that we're distributing is food that's going to enhance people's health instead of take away from people's health. Um, Food banks are pretty notorious for being with like non-perishable food. You know, you think Mm -hmm. about like a food drive drive, or yeah, 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 like canned food. And the, the truth is, is that just like walking through our warehouse, you'll see much more fresh food than, um, than canned food. And we, we are, Second Harvest is really blessed in order to have um, refrigeration, a lot of refrigeration and a lot of freezer space. So we have yeah. a almost 8,000 square foot um, or 13,000 square foot freezer. Whoa. 
and about probably 10,000 square feet or so of refrigeration space um, that we are able to take food and not turn it away. So Mm -hmm. if someone, if we have a donor that is going to donate, you know, turkeys, maybe they are going to bring in a truckload of turkeys. Mm -hmm. uh, The chances of us being able to take the majority of that and find a place for all that food is very, very high. That's cool. Um, yeah, the ability for us to pull, to bring in, and then to distribute fresh food is really astounding. Yeah. Um, and I and I don't think that people think about that. I think um, we kind of fall into two categories. Either we're really because in the grand scheme of things, we're a small, we're very small. We have a small staff. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a small geographic footprint. We're not a global nonprofit. So in the grand scheme, in reality, we're, we're very small, but locally here, we're large. Right. And so we kind of fall in that, in that weird space of we do so much with so little mm-hmm. at the same time, we're blessed really with so much. And we're yeah. lucky to have, um, to have the resources that we have and the staff and the expertise and the the caliber of staff that we have, the caliber of donor, the innovation that people bring. Mm-hmm. Um, it so is really amazing. It sounds like you guys are really well equipped to tackle a lot of these issues. Is there anything that comes up regularly as like a roadblock or something that you guys are are having trouble with or is a big challenge for Second Harvest? And specifically areas where individuals could help, people listening to this right now, where if they were hearing you speak, and you could tell them a way to help you help you guys get over this roadblock. What would that be? That's such a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I think for for us now, what we're trying to figure out, and we have have been trying to work for several years, is how to get the word out in all different communities mm. through language barriers, through cultural barriers, um, and figuring out the best way to do that. Um, a lot of, a lot of people, um, are very proud and don't want to ask for help. Don't Mm. want to, um, show that they need help. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for us at times to get into some of communities in Nashville and in middle Tennessee where people aren't going to come out and say, my whole family and I are hungry. Or we don't have anything because, you know, maybe mom and dad are both working and it's a sense of pride to be able to provide for your family. And if you can't, you know, what do you, what are you doing? And the truth is is that everyone needs help sometimes. Yeah. And again, you you talk about that gap. People in that gap, if they look at, if they look at where they are and they're not qualifying for certain things and, if they were to accept help, they might think that it's a sign of weakness or something like that, mm-hmm. or they don't deserve it, or that's for someone else. Um, so yeah, I can see that as a massive challenge, just the psychological aspects of getting people help when they need it. Well, and the other part that I think, you know, we're really working on right now is working with volunteers who have a specific skill. So um, we've worked with volunteers over the last several years that have helped us optimize our warehouse and have helped us optimize our, um, our volunteer space and look, Mm -hmm. we have people that are like six Sigma certified and they come in and they assess the way that our 
warehouses set up or the way mm-hmm. that our volunteer processes are happening like in the room and they will help us to um to kind of analyze the way that the flow is and then you know and actually fix it um you know like i was telling you earlier about using skilled photographers where we're going out right now into the community and, and capturing pictures of our distribution and stories so that we can tell people stories and we have photographers that are assisting us doing that. We can take pictures, but right. to use an actual professional photographer. So if someone, if someone is listening and they think I have this really weird skill that is whatever, I don't know how I can use that to benefit the food bank. Um, there's probably a way for us to be able to fit you in. Yeah. And um, I know when I first moved to, to Nashville, which maybe I shouldn't talk about this on like a second harvest podcast, but when I first moved to Nashville, I was in a transitional space in my life and my husband and I had moved here. It had been kind of a, a rocky transition to where we were. I had a job that fell through that eventually brought us here and I needed to go to a space. I needed to find like healing and mm-hmm. extra love and you know, uh, like social generosity. Yeah. And so, and like community, I guess that would be called community. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, I went to and started hanging out at Thistle Farms oh, yeah. and going and volunteering with them. And their, their program looked different then than it does now, but, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to be able to give back. And so I started making headbands mm. and making headbands for the women that were graduating and coming into their, their program. And that's just something that I did for my friends and my family. And I asked them one day, can I make headbands? They were like, Oh my gosh, we love that. So they're not asking for someone that can make headbands, but when someone shows up that can make headbands, they're of course going to accept you. That's really cool. Yeah. So like artists or people that would want to help create content for, um, you know, it could be so random, like a kid's coloring book, like talking to kids about hunger in their community and like, Mm -hmm. Those are things that we've tried to do in the past and, um, and we don't have the staff to do that. We don't have the ability to print, um, or to create the, um, to create the graphics and the storyline, like things like that, I think are. And there's a lot um, of that kind of talent in this city too. That's cool. I, I think when a lot of people think of volunteering at a food bank, you think that the only thing you guys want us to do is show up and pack boxes or say in the warehouse, do some work in the warehouse. But it sounds like that's not the case. And I think that would be really encouraging to a lot of people who already have these skills built up and they may not be inclined to go pack boxes or they may think, oh, everyone's already doing that. They don't need one more person, but they need our specific skills. That's, that's a lot. Really cool. I mean, and we have people all the time that, that will create like, um, especially through the tornado, we had people coming out that were making a necklace that mm. they sold the necklace and half or all the proceeds went to the food bank. Yeah. Um, that's a wonderful way to help the food bank is by using your gifts and talents and appealing to your community. So you know, to assume that people, I, when I first moved here, because I had worked in nonprofit my whole life. And so I was aware of like food banks and I had volunteered at other food banks in other cities. And so when I, when I came to Nashville and saw that we had a second harvest, I was like, Oh my gosh, there's a food bank here. Like I need Mm -hmm. to figure out what those people are doing. And I, I, 
I think that people don't understand how integral food banking is to all communities and how necessary it is and, and how vital of a service that it is. And so with the way that anybody has like their particular gifting and talents, you can impact positively the food bank. And, you know, even though we're, even though we're very well known, I think as an organization, there are new people coming here every day. Right. And they don't know about the food bank. And so if you are using your gifts and your talents to reach out to your community. You never know what talk can about, happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's amazing. That's, mm-hmm. that's the whole point is my niche people, my mom, when we, when the tornado hit, <clears throat> my mom did a little Facebook fundraiser for, for our food bank here. And all of our people live on the East coast and people were like, Oh my gosh, I watch what you guys do. And I love it. And they live mm-hmm. 800 miles away. And wow. You know, it's really, it's a big impact. It's amazing. And just every little bit helps. Yeah. I think you see little things like that and you're watching it and you're like, oh, that's really cool. I wonder, like, how did they come up with that? Or how did that start? And everything that you see like that started with someone coming up with a weird idea and seeing it, sending an email, like, even though they didn't know Mm -hmm. if it was going to happen or what would come of it, just starting that conversation with organizations in your area to see, they might say, we have no time for that or whatever, but at least, you know, (laughs) but you never know what can happen if you just reach out and offer yourself. It's true. And if you're willing to do the work, so that's where it can be hard is Mm -hmm. for organizations that, that don't have a dedicated staff that, can do, you know, most of us, I know at, at the food bank, many of us wear several different hats. Mm -hmm. So we're doing a a plethora of things that take up 150% of our attention. And so some people might have great ideas, but then they come to the food bank and they want us to run the idea for them. And we can't do that. What we can do is is say, this is the exact way that you can help us. And then mm-hmm. if you can make that happen, then we get to have like a, a celebration. Yeah. <laughs> and that, you know, that's really fun. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, last question here, I'm going to ask this to everybody that's on the show, whether you're talking about hunger or food waste or second harvest, go for it. But just in a general sense, how do you think we can make Nashville better? It's a massive question, I know. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, I think that we can make Nashville better. And Nashville will be, I feel like we're getting there. Mm. Um, this is going to be, this is just very much um, word vomit. That's terrible to say Go that. Go for it. But, Go for it. So... You know, we're recording this the day after 10,000 people congregated for a peaceful protest downtown. Mm-hmm. And in so many ways, I feel like Nashville in the last several years has had a spotlight on it and has had the ability to show the right way to do something. Yeah. With all of our issues and everything that we could do better. I think that we are working on a better Nashville and I think that Nashville will be a better place when everyone, regardless of who you are, where you come from, if you were born here, if you've been here for five minutes, has access to what they need Mm -hmm. and can get what they need so that they can give back the most. Right. And 
you know, where I see that modeled, and then this is so great. We just got an update. So I'm gonna, I'll send you all the info and this, this video still lives on our website right now. About a year and a half ago, maybe it's been two years now, we, we met a couple named Rod and Catherine at one of our produce truck stops. They were living in their car at the time, had three kids, and they were trying, they were trying to move and they basically got stuck in Nashville. Mm. Didn't have money for housing. And the whole family of five was living in like a two-door car. Wow. And when they came to the, they just happened to, they just happened upon the, the produce truck because they were coming, there was a food pantry and they got the day wrong and they ended up showing up and it was closed and the produce truck was there. Mm-hmm. And Catherine's quote, it was so striking too, because she said she didn't know it had been more than a year since her kids had had fresh food, fruit. Mm-hmm. And that day they got love, they got hugs, they got high fives, they got encouragement and they got food from the food bank. We followed up with them about eight months later and they were living in an apartment in Bellevue. They had housing. Dad had gotten a job. Kids were enrolled in school. And it all started because when they showed up, people loved them unconditionally. Mm. And it didn't matter why they were here or where they came from. All that mattered is that they needed something to eat. Mm. And we just got word yesterday that they were following work that Rod um, had gotten a better job and they were moving out of the community and going, um, going to a new location. Wow. (laughs) And I mean, if that's, if that's the only thing that comes out of second harvest, like mission accomplished, but you guys are doing that every single day across the state and people are doing it across the country. And those are the kinds of stories that like wake people up and make them realize how much, how important this kind of work is. So Mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that. And thank you for talking. Uh, This has been really enlightening to me. Uh, Do you have anything you want to tell people as far as how to keep up with you guys, social media or website or anything? Yeah. So we are, we're active on all platforms, so you can follow along. Um, we tell people stories, and um, we definitely use our social um, for how to get food, how to give food, how to help the food bank, um, but also are trying to communicate really the hope that comes out of um, out of our organization. And um, that definitely is that. I mean, that would definitely be a great way to start is to really start following the food bank. Okay. Um, we all, we invite people to it, to the food bank, to see it. Um, it's really, it's really quite, uh, incredible to come and walk through the building and, mm-hmm. um, that's all not available right now, but it, it, I'm, I'm hopeful that it will be. Um, but one thing I, I encourage people to do is to really kind of dig and check out, um, the nonprofits that they're, that they're giving to or that they're supporting. Um, for us specifically, um, they can find like all of our information is on our website, really an open book. Um, but I'm, I am so proud that 
um, at Second Harvest, $1 equals four meals. So for every dollar that's donated to the food, food bank, you're providing four meals to somebody in need wow. um, or several somebodies. And 96 cents out of every dollar goes directly to programming. Wow. So the money that you spend with Second Harvest is really going to the bottom line mission mm-hmm. um, and making sure that people, kids, families, seniors have access to the food that they need. And I really think that we're, we're moving in the right direction um, and really taking um, issues of equity, looking at where we are in the community, what types of services we're providing to, to who and when being very mindful and intentional about making sure that everyone has the access that they need, that those who have the means to give, give, and those who who need our services have access to them. And I have never been more proud to work work for Second Harvest and um, to make sure that everybody in our community has exactly what they need in order to thrive. And I, I I really, really believe strongly in our mission. And I think it's after 42 years, it's never been more necessary. You know, um, it's, it's really a very beautiful thing to be able to offer somebody, uh, something that they can't give to themselves or their family. It's really, yeah, it's it's so amazing. amazing. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for talking. I'll be sure to point everyone listening to the right resources to where they can get plugged in and learn more about what Second Harvest does. Um, looking forward to making that one in eight number one in nine or one in 10 in the years to come. And we'll be celebrating and working with you guys towards those goals. So thanks again, Courtney Blaze, Second Harvest, Middle Tennessee. Uh, thanks for <laughs> being on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. Once again, that was Courtney Blaze from Second Harvest, Middle Tennessee. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I know I did. I learned a lot. And if you want to get involved with the work that Second Harvest is doing, um, the best way to learn how to do that is to go to our Instagram account, Bettering Nashville. I'm going to be linking to their social media accounts. I'm going to be posting um, about resources and links that Courtney mentioned in the show there. So that's a great way to get plugged in and to figure out how you can do your part to better Nashville through the work of Second Harvest. Thanks for listening this week. We have another show and conversation coming out next week for you that I'm really excited about. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, if you're thinking of any other topics or organizations that you'd like to learn about, maybe you've heard of them and you don't really know much about them, or maybe you're part of those organizations and you want others to hear about you, please reach out to me at betteringnashville at gmail.com, or you can just send me a DM on Instagram. I'd love to hear from you so I can start, um, talking about things that you guys want to hear about or letting you guys speak to your neighbors. So please reach out to me if that's the case. Uh, Otherwise, stick around for the show next week. Thanks for listening.